for you. It's Wednesday, January 16, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chechesko. And Chet, a valiant effort by the Eagles falls short in New Orleans as the Eagles fall and the season, just like that, comes to an end. The Sixers get a big win, but trouble seems to still be brewing there. The Flyers are all over the place and still no word from Citizens Bank Park on catching a big free agent fish. Yeah, Bill, we'll definitely get to the Sixers later. Hopefully we'll squeeze in at least a little baseball chat. Who knows when those big-name free agents will get around to signing somewhere. I don't know what to say about the Flyers anymore, but we will definitely talk lots of Eagles. I do know that. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, we've got a couple great guests tonight in Temple football legend and new member of the College Football Hall of Fame, Paul Palmer. Our buddy Mike Barnes makes a return visit. Of course, Fred Hugo will be back to talk Eagles, Sixers, and make a few playoff picks as well. Yes, and I know we're going to likely have a lot of new listeners this week as there's lots of folks who want to hear from Paul Palmer. So welcome to our newbies. Of course, Mike Barnes has so many friends and fans out there as well, so I know a bunch of Mike's friends are listening. Um, and regarding Paul Palmer, we will hear from Boo Boo, as he's known, in about 10 minutes, so hang on because we got to vent a little bit about the Eagles, Bill. Yeah, and get the Fred Hugo Legion. The, the, every week. Forget those guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about Eagles, Chet, uh, kind of between us. And I, I think you and I might have a little different opinion on this game and, and how it ended up. Let, let's first get your takeaway of how the season ended in the Superdome Sunday night. Well, even though my official prediction was that the Saints would win the game, I was absolutely rooting for the Birds, and I was confident they'd give the Saints a battle, and they did, obviously. It's just a shame the way it ended with you know the Eagles driving for a potential go-ahead score down at the Saints' 27-yard line when Alshon Jeffrey didn't make that catch, a ball that he would catch you know, 98 or 99 times out of 100. When you hold the Saints to 20 points in the Superdome, you've got a chance at winning, but the Birds came up just one score short. It was a great run by an Eagles team that had been 4-6 and six two months ago and you know, declared pretty much dead by almost everyone, including me. But as I said, a real shame it had to end the way it did. What, what are your thoughts? Well, it is a shame it ended the way it did because they actually had a chance to win that game almost kind of in spite of themselves. They, they hung around, uh, didn't play very well. Um, I, I do take, um, as you know, I took a little uh, disagreement with your buddy Seth Joyner, which you post Facebook, that this game is solely on the shoulders of Jim Schwartz. That, that's a mistake. Yeah, you're probably right. I didn't necessarily agree with what Seth said. I was just posting it because, you know, I thought it was kind of a remarkable statement on his part. Uh, there were there was blame to go around on both sides of the ball, for sure. Yeah, and, and I think, if anything, I mean, certainly the defense had holes in it, and uh, Drew Brees capitalized on those holes. But, you know, I think to blame that on Schwartz is a little hard to do. Uh, it was a patchwork defense just to be in the position they were in is, you know, to me, a credit to Schwartz, not a blame to Schwartz. Yeah, I mean, as we've discussed, he's, he's been playing with a lot of backups. I thought Cravon LeBlanc actually played really well, had that early interception, which gave the team a spark right off the bat. Eagles went in and scored on their drive after the interception. Um, 
But, yeah, you hold a, a Saints team that is a high-scoring team, one of the highest-scoring teams in the league, to 20 points, you're doing a pretty good job. So I, I thought that was kind of crazy to put all of the blame on Schwartz. Yeah, he made some mistakes maybe with his uh, you know, defensive strategy in the second half, but certainly was not all on Jim Schwartz. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to pick on Seth Joyner. Um, he's a lot bigger to me. But, yeah. you know, his, his other comment about running the football three times in the second half, well, they only had 19 plays in the second half. They had their two best offensive linemen in the locker room injured, uh, and all their running backs were pretty much backup guys anyway. You're not, you weren't going to win that game running the football in the second half. Yeah, uh, they probably could have run it a few more times, a little more balanced, because it was very balanced in the first half. But like you said, they had some injuries on the O-line. So I understand the decision to throw the ball a little more often. At least now with them having lost, we can finally put the big debate to rest about Foles versus Wentz. Um, you know, if Foles had taken them all the way to the Super Bowl, there would have been a lot more debate about what you do in the offseason. But they made it clear at the day after news conference it's Carson Wentz's team going forward they didn't say necessarily Foles won't be back but it is Carson Wentz's team starting next fall well and and let me ask you this uh you would you say that that decision was made before the game or you know I think has that been the decision all along that just finally came out now that they lost or is it the fact that Nick Foles played somewhat human on Sunday you think that plays into it? I, I don't I think, particularly. I think it was a done deal. I think the decision was largely made beforehand, but if Folds had taken them all the way to the Super Bowl, you know, they would have had to at least discuss the possibility of sticking with Foles or bringing him back as a backup, a very high-paid backup, which I don't think they could do. But, yeah, the fact that Foles did not have a great game on Sunday made their decision a lot easier, and I think it's the right decision you certainly can't have two guys making a lot of money and, you know, Wentz is going to be due for an extension very soon too. So yeah, the decision was made probably before the game and uh, verified by the fact that Foles didn't play well. And I think it's the right decision. Carson Wentz is the younger guy. He's got a lot of talent. He was coming off an injury this past season. And even with that, he did not have a horrible year. People are, you know, talking like he was not a real good quarterback this year. We've seen a lot of bad quarterback play in the Philadelphia Eagles system over the years. That was not terrible. I mean, yeah, it wasn't the year that he had in 2017, but Wentz had several good games and his numbers weren't that bad. And I think a lot of the fact, a lot of the, you know, him not performing as well as the previous year was simply the fact that he was still not 100% because he was coming back off the ACL and then, of course, he hurt the back at some point. They still haven't said exactly when that happened. They don't seem to want to talk about the whole injury thing. But, yeah, it's Carson Wentz's team going forward. That's the right decision. And I'm almost positive Nick Foles will be gone soon. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and you know, I, I think the thing with Carson Wentz, statistically, he didn't have a bad season. But the offense just never seemed to kind of have it together. You know, they, they were inconsistent. The numbers were still there but they just didn't seem to be in control of games like they were when Foles came in. And uh, Alshon Jeffrey opened up, Aguilar opened up. It wasn't all Zach Ertz, and they spread the ball around, and they were much better on offense with Nick Foles in there. Now, m- moving forward, I think, as we know, Wentz is certainly more talented. So, um, But you've got to have the weapons. You've got to be able to block, and a lot, a lot of other things have to happen. And this free agency period is going to be really interesting. 
Uh, do you bring back a guy like a Brandon Graham, uh, Chris Long, those guys, unless you can get them on the cheap uh, at 30, in the 30s, 30-year-old, uh, year old, I don't yep. know how you can actually pay these guys much. They have a lot of decisions to make, as you pointed out on Facebook the other day, a lot of free agent decisions. Um, they got to decide, you know, who's going to be healthy or, you know, in their mind, who's going to be healthy, who's not. Uh, I don't think you bring back, like, you know, a Jay Ajayi or a Rodney McLeod because of their injuries, and plus McLeod would be owed a lot of money. Um, so I think those guys are gone. But, yeah, Graham's an interesting decision. He's over 30 now, but he's still had a pretty good year. He loves Philadelphia, so, you know, maybe he would come back and give the old hometown discount, as they say. And if you can get Brandon Graham back at a decent price, I would consider it. Maybe, you know, just a two-year deal or something like that. I like Brandon Graham, and he's an important guy on that front line. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, you've you got to make decisions about Bradham, about Hicks, about some of the guys in the secondary. Um, it's going to be a very interesting next few months for sure. Yeah. Well, I have one more thing for you uh, while we're talking Eagles, because i got a bone to pick with you. How's that? Hmm. Okay. Because you are one of those Philadelphia sports fans that is having a little love fest with this football team. <laughs> and <laughs> just like we did with the 2008 Phillies that we love, 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 and in 2009 when we lost, it was okay because we had 2008. Now we are in 2019, or 18 season, 19, and we lost, and it's okay after winning in 2018. And then when we stink in the next few years, everybody's, all the dogs will be back out again. I'm not getting the love fest. <laughs> well, let me explain it to you. When you win a title, there's a period of love and understanding. And for me, that's, you know, at least the next season, maybe the next two seasons. So I didn't really expect them to go back to the Super Bowl this year. And that was okay because they finally won the Super Bowl last year. And, you know, there is such a thing in my mind as a Super Bowl hangover, so I didn't expect them to go 13-3 and again and cruise through the playoffs. Um, they struggled much of this year, and, you know, now their season's over, but it doesn't mean we have to, you know, be all angry and hate them for disappointing us. They won the friggin' Super Bowl last year, cut them a break. I think the future is bright, and, you know, give these guys some credit and see what they do in the offseason, and then if they disappoint us thoroughly next year, then we can go back to bashing them and saying, you know, Howie's a jerk and Peterson was the wrong coach to hire in the first place. We can go back to all that. But they did get a one-year pass from me and a lot of people this year, and that's okay. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. And the same with Alshon Jeffrey. The fans, you know, giving Alshon Jeffrey a nice ovation at the 76ers game last night, yeah, even yeah, though he you know missed what, the Alshon, pass. You know what, Alshon, <laughs> catch the damn ball. That's why they threw it to you. Hey, catch we're nice fans in Philadelphia. We're nice fans. We're not the angry, horrible people that are, people around the nation think we are. Well, I'll tell you what. I think overall they overachieved uh, this season. I think they, they really did for all the injuries and all the things they had going on to them. But they should have. They could have very well won that game. They could be playing, and I'm not. I'm still not happy about it. I ain't got this whole love thing going on. Just sorry about that, buddy. Uh, you can be the angry old man. That's okay. Oh, uh, I guess I am today. All right, hey Chad, <laughs> tell us what's going on over at the Irish Rover Station House. 
Always plenty going on at the Irish Rover Station House and always lots of deals on food and drink as well. Lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour specials, a free buffet Friday nights at 11 p.m., trivia Wednesday evenings. They always have 24 beers on tap and live bands the next couple of weekends. The dance band Off the Grid is there this Saturday the 19th. And then on the 26th, it'll be Never Enough. Check the website for details, irishroverstationhouse.com, or just pop in. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Hey, Chad, i got to tell you, I'm a little intrigued about the Friday night 11.30 buffet. Like, is it, that's where you, you go for it. You can't stay up that late, Bill. Stay up that late, but but you know, there's a lot of munchies going on at about eleven thirty on Friday night. Oh, always. I get them. (laughs) All right. Hey, Chet. You know, I was really disappointed that our first guest couldn't join us live due to some nighttime scheduling conflicts. But you had a chance to sit down with Temple football legend, new member of the College Football Hall of Fame, Paul Palmer, the other day, and you know, I'm jealous about that. Yeah, I know. Paul was originally planning to join us live, but he wasn't positive that it would work out with his schedule, so he opted to pre-tape on Monday afternoon. And, you know, even without you able to join us, Bill, we had a real nice chat. Uh, Paul, was a, Paul is a real nice, personable guy, so how about we play the interview and then you can give your take on everything afterwards. Sounds good. On the line right now, a legendary running back from the Temple Owls, still their all-time rushing leader, who does radio for the team these days, and is a member of the 2018 class of the College Football Hall of Fame, Paul Palmer. Welcome, Paul. Hey, how are you? How are you? Thanks for having me. Ah, doing great. All right, first things first, as I noted, early last year you found out you'd be heading to the College Football Hall, and you were inducted, in fact, just last month. That's a great honor, obviously. It was, of course, 30-plus years after your amazing college career at Temple had ended, (laughs) so... Were you surprised when you finally got that call? Well, you know what? I had been on the ballot for about six years, actually. So I was surprised and disappointed. It's really weird. I was disappointed that it took so long, but uh, surprised at the same time that they were calling nonetheless. Of course. I know you had the you know, situation with the NCAA years ago. Was that the reason it took so long, or just because you know Temple didn't get no, that much recognition, or what? I don't think so. You know, what, I, what I've come to understand is, because there were other people involved in that situation. Rod Woodson was involved. Chris Carter was involved. It has to do with your school. Your school has to nominate you. Ah. And it seems, from what I can gather, it seems that there's been a few times where Temple has just dropped the ball in nominating their players for the College Football Hall of Fame. And I think that's more so what it is than anything. They, the, the Hall of Fame doesn't pick people. They wait for a school to nominate, and then they pick from the people that are nominated by the schools. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And you're the first guy from Temple to go into the College Hall, so that's certainly a, a great honor. Now, speaking of your school, lots of changes at Temple since your playing days. How has the college game and Temple football specifically changed over the past 30 years? Wow, I think the college game and Temple football, I think the biggest thing, in my opinion, that affects them both is the amount of bowl games that there are. I believe while I was at Temple, three of, three of my years, if, if, if not three, two of my years, we were at least six and five back then that would have given you a bowl game now six and five automatically gets you a bowl game and you come out feeling like you've had a successful season back then there were like 10 maybe 15 bowl games so if you weren't sniffing around the top 20 you were not going to a bowl game lately a lot of times people are measured by bowl games well there's 37 bowl games yeah so you can be like the 40th best team in the nation <laughs> and get a bowl game and then the coach walks away saying oh 
I won my last four bowl games, and, and the players are saying, oh, we've won the bowl games four years in a row, but they're finishing like with a 500 season. But it's the nature of the beast now, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of postseason college football, what do you think of the college football playoff system? Keep it at four teams, expand it, or is it just going to be Clemson or Bama winning it every year, no matter what, anyway? <laughs> That's funny. I think the way it's set up, I think it's unfortunate that certain teams, regardless of how well they do, regardless of what type of quality wins they have, will not get a chance to play in those games. A perfect example is, you know, the past couple of years, Central Florida. For them having a great season, they've been almost under, you know, undefeated, almost undefeated for the past two years, and they had no chance of even getting to that point. That's what's kind of unfortunate for me. I guess if you open it up, then you start to play with the whole idea that you're going to college for academics. And by opening it up, you're prolonging the season. And it's starting to go into basketball season and whatever else. Mm. So um, I think it needs to be tweaked. I don't know how they're going to fix it, but I think there's certain teams, like Temple, for example. If Temple went undefeated two or three years in a row, we still never play in the Final Four. Yeah. Temple has been something of a stepping stone for coaches over the past decade. Steve Adazio, two years. Matt Rule, four years. Jeff Collins, two years. We'll skip over the two-and-a-half-week Manny Diaz era. Uh, <laughs> what can be done to get coaches to stick around longer on North Broad Street? Well, this is what I've said about that, and I agree with you. It has been a stepping stone. But the way the system is set up now, Temple is a winning program. People come in to prove that they can win as head coaches, but they're coming into a situation where it's been proven that the football team wins. As I said, you need six games to get a bowl game. So someone comes in to prove that he can be a head coach. He wins six games every year. He goes to a bowl game every year. And then he's looked upon as, oh, he can coach at a Power 5 school because he went to Temple and he's won. Well, we've been winning anyway. We've won regardless of who the coach is. It has not mattered. If you look at it, it hasn't mattered who the coach has been going all the way back to Al Golden. Mm -hmm. And the only consistent thing about the program has been the program, the football program. Coaches come and go, and we keep winning. So it's an attractive program. I think the biggest problem that Temple runs into is is financially. We haven't been able to keep people around financially. But whoever comes is going to win, and it won't be a feather in their cap necessarily. It'll be looked upon as a feather in their cap, but really it's just a feather in our cap. I guess they're taking a feather out of our cap and sticking it in theirs, (laughs) and they're getting credit for it. But the past five coaches that have been there have won. Yeah. Do you know much about the new head coach, Rod Carey, who was just hired last Thursday? I don't know a thing. I was getting a lot of updates over the weekend. I was in Connecticut for Walter Camp's All-American team, and I was trying to stay up to speed in that way. I don't know a thing about him. I will probably go over to Temple this weekend for a basketball game, and maybe if he's at the game, I'll probably meet him then. If not, I'll try to catch him, or definitely I'll see him in the spring, spring practice. Well, I know there's one coach you do know a lot about, your old coach, Bruce Arians, who just last week got hired to coach the Tampa Bay Bucks and promptly named a former teammate of yours at Temple, Todd Bowles, as defensive coordinator, and another old friend of yours, I guess, Todd McNair, as running backs coach. What makes Coach Arians so special to you? I mean, you've just said it without saying it. He's very loyal, very loyal. I mean, he's proven that years in and years out. If you look at his, I think, a football life on the NFL Network, you'll see different examples of his loyalty, not only are those guys, he, he's going to hire four ex-football players from Temple. When he coached at Temple, will be hired on the staff. Kevin Ross, Todd Bowles, Keith Armstrong, who came from the Atlanta Falcons, and Todd McNair. And he's going to hire three or four coaches from that original staff also. And those guys were anywhere from 26 to 32 years old when he hired them back in, uh, in 83. So he's a very loyal person. Now, you've done some high school coaching. Uh, tell me about that, and do you want to do more in the way of coaching? I can't, you know, as of now, 
we realize that there's uh, the NCAA compliance is a bit of a conflict of interest. Uh-huh. Me doing radio for some for me coaching high school football. But uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I love it. I enjoyed these kids. I work at the high school where I was coaching. So I see these kids every day. So I'm not disconnected from the kids. I'm not, not around the kids. Half the basketball team is football players. Half the wrestling team. Half the track team are football players, baseball team. And I go to everything. And I know these kids respond to me. I know these kids. I make sure these kids hear me from the stands. <laughs> when they do right, they do wrong. So uh, I'm still around them. I mentor them like crazy. They know where I live at, where they can find me. So um, I'm not out of it. I love it very much. I love these kids very much. Now, you played three years in the NFL. Your third season, much of it was with the Cowboys. I'm not going to tell you where I heard this, but my sources tell me you didn't really enjoy your time in Dallas, and you're definitely not a fan of the Cowboys today. Is that accurate, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) I'll say this. I'll tweak that a little bit. I enjoyed my time in Dallas. Okay. I'll tell you a story. I I grew up a Washington Redskins fan. I grew up hating the Dallas Cowboys. The only game we won was against the Washington Redskins in Washington, D.C., and I had a good game, my best game as a Cowboy. Mm Mm-hmm. I bumped into Jerry Jones a few weeks ago at the College Football Hall of Fame induction, and Jerry and I had a nice talk. He paid me some nice compliments. He said, you came to Dallas and you did a really good job for us. You sure did. And I I thought that was really nice after all these years. I wasn't the biggest fan of Jimmy Johnson, to be honest. I thought that Jimmy Johnson played favorites. I think a lot of people, in my opinion, like Jimmy Johnson because he won. But there's been a few players that have left that were there and had won Notable players. Charles Haley wasn't a big fan of Jimmy Johnson. Everson Walls, who was a great pro for years, wasn't a big fan of Jimmy Johnson. It hasn't only been me. It's been a few other people. But as far as disliking, I don't really dislike the Cowboys. Hmm. But I'm a, I'm a Redskins fan at heart. So I dislike everybody but the Redskins. I got you. Yeah, you grew up in Potomac, Maryland, so that's understandable. Yes, uh, 1989, of course, the year you're referring to, the Cowboys went 1-15 and with a rookie quarterback named Troy Aikman. I guess Troy did okay for himself after that forgettable first season. Well, you know, what's, what's ironic is people always ask me about Troy. I said, I said, Troy was a rookie, man. He was young. Troy didn't do a whole lot of talking, man. Troy was busy just getting himself together. But the one game we won, Steve Wall from the University of Miami was the quarterback that won that one game. Troy didn't win that one game for oh, us. Wow. And I think at that point, yeah, I think at that point, I think Troy had, had possibly gotten his first concussion. Huh. Steve Walsh was the quarterback for the game. Yeah, how funny is that? I did not know that. Yeah. Pretty wild. All right, speaking of uh, pro football, the Eagles season came to an end on Sunday, a tough six-point loss to the Saints. I'm an Eagles fan, obviously. I know the Birds aren't the team you root for, but do the Eagles have enough talent in place, do you think, to make a run for a Super Bowl again next season, or do they need a lot, a lot of new additions in the offseason? You know what? I, I think it's tough. I think um, I, and I have a lot of friends and, and people around here that love the Eagles, and a lot of people thought the Eagles would automatically go back to the Super Bowl because they went last year, and I tried to tell them if it was so easy, then they would go every year. They would have been many times over. It's just not easy. And the way the whole system is set up with free agency, I think a lot of times what happens is you win, your players get their rings, and then the, now the players want money. So with that, you get a lot of people moving. You get a lot of people coming in. If you win, you're perceived as having good ball players. Also, and other teams want your ball players as well. It gets to a point where you're kind of cheering for a uniform in modern day football. Whereas years ago, when I grew up like a Redskins fan, you had the same players there forever. Now, you're kind of cheering for a uniform because there's so much turnover and so many people moving around. You're not really cheering for the team. You're cheering for like a color. You're cheering for a uniform. Yep. Well, there are still four teams in the hunt in the NFL, including the team that you played your first two years in the league with, the Chiefs. So tell me, Paul, who gets to the Super Bowl and who wins it? 
I would like to see the Saints in the Super Bowl, and that's mainly because Keith Kirkland from Temple plays for the Saints. <laughs> I got to go with my guys. So I, I support Temple guys. So I'd love to see Keith get in the Super Bowl, have a chance to get in the ring. If it's not the Saints, I would probably say I would like to see the Chiefs. And I'd like to see the Chiefs because I kind of like Andy Reid. I like yeah. Andy Reid. I thought uh, the times I met Andy Reid, I thought he was really nice and personable with me. I think Andy Reid, while he was here, I think he did a great job. It's unfortunate that he was judged by whether he won a Super Bowl or not, in my opinion, because he won games, and he won a lot of games. And I, was, I would always tell Eagle fans that I knew, I said, you can have Andy Reid and go to the playoffs every year. You can be like the Redskins are now and never go to the playoffs. I would have taken Andy Reid in the playoffs every year. So if, if the Saints don't win and Keith, you know, Keith Kirkland gets a Super Bowl ring to bring back to campus, I'd like to see Andy Reid win because I think he had, he had done a good job here, and apparently he's doing a good job there as well. Yeah, I'm rooting for Andy as well. Uh, by the way, Paul, big thanks to your old college roommate, Don Brown, for connecting us. Don's a friend of mine and a great guy, and he speaks very highly of you. And I think it's awesome that you guys stayed in touch and remained friends all these years later. Yeah, well, you know what? I'll I tell you what. B was a pretty good ball player. And the problem is he had, he had gotten stuck behind Anthony Young, who ended up playing pro football. But Don Brown was a good ball player. Don, as a matter of fact, Don and I, we were – before Donnie left school, Don and I were going to be roommates. We were planning on being roommates. We were going to be like Lion Song with Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. <laughs> we were going to be roommates at Temple. That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Don's a good man. And, hey, I want to mention this coming Monday, the 21st, it's the Philadelphia Sports Writers Banquet at the Crown Plaza in Cherry Hill. You'll be recognized for your recent induction into the College Football Hall of Fame as part of the event. So, again, congratulations on that, and I do hope to say hello to you at the banquet. Meantime, thank you, Paul Palmer, for visiting Philly Press Box Radio. Oh, man, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Good stuff, Chet. Man, what a, what a good guy. Hey, I got to tell you something. Uh, there are a handful of criteria to get into the College Football Hall of Fame, Chet. And uh, you were just talking to a guy that fit the criteria. One of them is, first of all, you must be a first-team All-American, recognized by one of the major uh, groups. And the second one, and this is more where Paul Palmer fits in because he's a better person than he was a football player, yeah. Football achievements are considered first, but post-football record as a citizen is also weighed, and I think Paul is in that. Yeah, Paul is absolutely a good guy, and uh, his old pal Don Brown will verify that. They've stayed in touch, like I said, for 30-plus years, and he just can't say enough things, good things about Paul Palmer. So uh, great to talk to him. Hope we have him on again at some point. Absolutely, and uh, I, I am still jealous. I'm more jealous now than I was <laughs> to start with. Oh, <laughs> uh, you get all the good good assignments. I don't know how that works out. Well, hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. You know it, Bill. It is true. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Click on the Allstate banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website or call Dave directly at 610-430-0700. That's Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. 
800-516-0700. And, Bill, if you are ready to bring on our next guest, and I think you are, I need to do something because Mike's a little shy and quiet and reserved sometimes. <laughs> so Is this a different play, Mike? Do I, do I have the wrong <laughs> guest today? Let me play a little music to get Mike pumped up. I think Mike will know it. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Take it away, Bill. Well, Chet, you know we're always excited to have uh, our second guest on, Mike Barnes, a, a great energetic Eagles fan, a guy that's just always busy helping others through the Barkham Foundation. And and with that, let's welcome back Mike Barnes, Philly Press Box Radio. Welcome, Mike. Bill and Chet, Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Uh, hey, Mike. I, I just I just want to say Paul Palmer, one of the best, and he is somebody as a, as a child that I got to see play at the vet with my family my brother Bill when he was at Temple and he was one of the best. What a great guy he is and what he's continued to do for Temple University special. So I don't know how I could uh, possibly follow up from Paul Palmer, but <laughs> here is Mike Barnes <laughs> of the Barkan Foundation. <laughs> and, you know, after our formal interview, we talked a little bit about other stuff and he spoke very highly of your brother, Bill, even though he's a Cowboys fan, which I think bothered Paul a little bit. Well, Bill and I it can now me talk. Too. Now that the yeah. season's over, I mean, we can finally talk <laughs> and be brothers again. Um, yeah. You know, just let's just clarify one thing. The Cowboys lost before the Eagles did on Saturday night. So, <laughs> yes, they um, did. Yes, they did. <laughs> All right, uh, what, what a great way to end the season for the Eagles. I mean, even though it's not the outcome we wanted, it was quite a ride yet again. So. Yes, indeed. And we'll, we'll See, talk there about you that. go, Chet. There's that, there's that love fest going on again. Ah, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Mike, we want to get all the details about the Barkhan Foundation's big event coming up on the 26th, but we do need to talk a little football first. As you mentioned, sure. Sunday was a tough day for Eagles fans, but how do you feel about this Birds team that had so many ups and downs this season but still managed to make the playoffs and gave the best team in the NFC all they could ask for on Sunday? Uh, I, I think it was a tough year. There was a lot of adversity. Obviously, the team was decimated by injury. Um, last spring, um, I had a lot of conversations with Tom DeSandro, who I work very closely with. And, you know, a lot of guys had to have surgeries last off season, And, you know, Carson was going to come off of, you know, his ACL injury. So, for me, when you look at the Super Bowl and then coming into a season where there's a, a lot of guys that are already – banged up from last year's Super Bowl run, my expectations weren't real high. And, I, and I, I'll, I'll admit it, even though I'm the most positive guy around. And then when we got to four and six, I was a hurting pup. I mean, it, it, it was tough. That New Orleans Saints game down there, our secondary was, you know, was, I don't even know who was in the, in the secondary in that game. But, you know, they proved a lot. Um, and with the Nick Foles and Carson Wentz story, um, obviously, Nick deserves all the credit in the world for what he's done. I feel like we've done a disservice to a lot of Eagles who had career years, one being Fletcher Cox, Malcolm Jenkins playing every snap defensively, and then you look at what Zach Ertz did um, with the amount of catches that he had. And I think he really came into his own this year. So it's hard to, to get around that Carson-Nick controversy, if you will, I can't stand the conversation, to be quite honest with you. I'm sure you might have a question how I feel about it, but uh, everybody has an opinion about it. So I feel like I'm not about the whole love fest because I'm still disappointed because I thought they were going to come down and win there at that game. But I think that uh, from Doug Peterson, Jim Schwartz, the coaching staff, the senior leadership of that team, you mentioned a bunch of those guys, 
and, and Peters and, and them folks, I think the team itself was, was absolutely special to get to where they got to with what they were dealing with. And, and I keep calling it the JV defensive backfield that they ran out there a lot of games. I think the, uh, I think they're getting a little bit of national credit that uh, they didn't even get before for doing what they did, and I think it's well-deserved. I totally agree. I, I think looking back, you know, as a fan with the Love Fest, I'm not there with the Love Fest. I mean, you look at the games that were lost this year, thinking back to Carolina, Tennessee, both Dallas games. I mean, there were a lot of games this year that could have gone either way and should have gone the Eagles' way. And when I'm sure the coaching staff looked back, you know, one of the reasons we had the Super Bowl run last year is because we had home field advantage. And I think now more than ever, all, all home teams won last weekend. I think it's proven to be that to win in the playoffs, even still, it's really good to have that home field advantage. And you got every game, one through 16, is just as important as the other. I think we really learned that this year. And I think – you know, looking back, there are a lot of games where the Eagles had slow starts offensively. They gave up leads. And then, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about, and I hope they address in the draft or free agency, you got to get a player on defense who can cause turnovers. And I hope that's a linebacker. Um, but, you know, they really had a, a tough time forcing turnovers early in the year. So when you couple all that, you mix it all together, um, that kind of led to that four and six start. And, you know, they rebounded very well, but I, I think, you know, the offseason ahead is very, very intriguing. And uh, I'm just glad we have a lot of picks. Uh, but there are a lot of questions to be answered. Hey, Mike, I want to ask you something. Because of, you know, you being the super fan that you are and you work with the Barkan Foundation, you get to do a lot of things with the Eagles organization. And, you know, I see you with some of the players. And by and large, they all seem like great guys. I mean, from Zach Ertz to Brandon Graham to, you know, uh, the quarterbacks and everybody I see you talking to, they all seem like they are great human beings. Is that true? Are they? I I would say absolutely 100%. And it's a relationship that I've had over a long period of time um, through Dom DeSandro, who we actually honored. Um, at our Holiday Hearts event back in December. Dom is the head of team security, but he's so much more than that. Dom is a, uh, is a guy who's been with the organization for 25 years almost now, and we've gotten to, to work with the Eagles organization, and it's a first-class organization all the way, and the players are a true reflection of the city. I mean, you talk about Chris Long. I mean, I, I think Chris has a very good chance to win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I mean, that guy... Is special, and then you you look at guys like Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, um, Brandon Graham is my favorite. I mean, you couldn't ask for a nicer guy, and I, I've been able to to get to know him, you know, from his rookie year on, where he had a lot of adversity. You know, he's kind of labeled as a bust, and in my opinion, he's he's probably one of the best. Alshon Jeffrey's another great guy, phenomenal human being. I mean, they're just they're they're all great guys, and. You can see that they're tight. They play for one another. And not only that, but they've responded to Doug Peterson. And, you know, that doesn't happen in professional sports. Two years in a row, you get injuries. Sometimes, you know, you collect a check and and you pack it in. Not this team. And I think that's why, you know, when Bill mentions the Love Fest, I think there's so much admiration and respect for a team that just, you know, could have easily said after that, New Orleans, that's it, we're done. 
it's been a tough road, you know, we'll get ready for next year, and they didn't do it. So I think that says a lot about the organization, and what they do in the community is extraordinary. So I hope I was able to answer that question because yes, for me, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy, I mean, to be a part of that organization in my small way, and, and the bar, they, what they've done for the Barkan Foundation is awesome, but they do it year-round, and they do it quietly. They don't raise their hand about it. And they're special. Mm-hmm. And for us, they're family. So it's a big Well, you deal. know, Mike, and you make a good point. I was waiting to see if Chet was going to come up with this. But you, you made the point, so I'm going to point it out. I think what we've seen, and I'm kidding, I'm kidding somewhat about the Love Fest thing, but, you know, Love Fest is going two ways. Uh, the players and their recognition and acknowledgement of the Philadelphia sports has second to none. As has, uh, you know, with Doug and Doug waiting to to meet each one of his players at the locker room door is really something special as well. Absolutely, and you know, like I said, Dom was right there with Doug. That's that's Dom who was kind of in the in the locker room area with Doug, and you know, he he's got a special relationship, and it started from when he came here. You know, he. He took over a team there, you know, that went, what was it, 3-0 and with Carson there before they kind of came back down to earth. But they got rid of some guys that were, that were troublemakers. And his, you know, he had, you know, great leaders in the locker room. And I think the team also really responds very well to Malcolm Jenkins. I think they really respond to Malcolm. And Malcolm put it all on the line again this year and playing every snap. I mean, that's – that's extraordinary. So, um, but Doug, you know, we could say whatever we want about the X's and O's this year. I mean, you know, there were some tough games offensively, um, but I'll tell you what, we've got the right guy, and I think he will, with a whole off season now, be able to to identify some areas where this team can go moving forward, especially from the offensive side of the football. All right, going to be an interesting off season yet again. And uh, speaking of interesting, Mike, you have a big Barkan Foundation event coming up on the 26th involving a couple or three Philadelphia Flyers legends. Tell us all about it. Very excited, uh, Chet. Next Saturday night, Yards Brewing uh, Brewing Company, 500 Spring Garden Street in Philadelphia. Brand new location. It's beautiful. Um, we're really excited. We have the whole upstairs for the, uh, for the event. And what we're doing is we're having a couple of the Broad Street uh, bullies pouring Yards Beers. So we're calling it Brews with the Bullies. It starts at 7 o'clock. The event is almost sold out, so if you'd like to, to look at the event and maybe purchase tickets, check out thebarcanfoundation.org. It's thebarcanfoundation.org. We have a couple tickets left. This event has sold really well. I know, Chet, you're coming next Saturday, and yes, uh, we're indeed. looking to have a, a great time. The foundation last year had its best year ever and that could be attributed a lot to the Eagles and Sixers' success. Um, we ran a lot of trips uh, for a raffle to the Super Bowl. And then uh, just last week, we sent a lucky winner to New Orleans, Louisiana. We did a yeah. raffle for a trip to New Orleans, and that raised about $10,000. So the foundation is now in its seventh year, and we would not be where we are today without people like Jim Chesco. You guys, you're amazing and all of your listeners, thank you for your support, your friendship. We're, we're a family. Uh, Michael and Alan uh, started the foundation, and they just wanted to bring the community together to support local families. 
very simple recipe and it's it's done very well and it's thanks to to all of you your support your generosity and your love mean the world to us and i just want to say we have snow coming this weekend so you're going to guarantee that the weather will be nice the following weekend for your event right mike <laughs> it's going to be sunny and we're going to say 50 how's that sound i would take so 40 perfect. at this point <laughs> 40 is good I'm, I'm with you there yes indeed all right well, so we're hey, looking mike. forward to the event hey mike on the way out uh, who's going to win the super bowl yeah I, I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but I also think the Chiefs have a very good chance. It sounds like there's really tough weather predicted this weekend in Kansas City. So, uh, me personally, I'm rooting for Andy Reid. What a great guy he was and what he did for the city. But talent-wise, I think they can do it, and um, that Mahomes is something else. So, um, I like the Chiefs, and I like them to play uh, I like them to play the Rams. I really like the way the Rams played Dallas the other. I thought they were very physical, um, especially with the running game. So, uh, they're going to have to do that against New Orleans, obviously. But that's uh, that's my Super Bowl pick, and uh, I'd really like to see Andy Reid win it, finally. Go Big you Red. All right, the Michael. Time hey, is good his. luck. <laughs> yep. Good, good. That's right. Good luck with what you have going on, and uh, be sure Mr. Fresco gets a couple brews while he's there with the bullies. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, guys. And I hope next year – in January, we could talk about the Eagles going to Super Bowl 54. There you, you go. You got it. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one, guys. Uh-oh. That's more Dave Matthews band music. What the heck? What the heck? I was going to say, this isn't Fred Hugo music. That's for darn sure. I, I just needed to hear a little more uh, Dave Matthews band. Now we'll get to the Fred music. So here we go. There we go. Now we're going to talk football. We can't we get music like that. We're going to talk a little football. And I got to tell you, Fred, welcome back again. And uh, what's your story on the Love Fest? The Love Fest? <laughs> Explain that, Bill. I said to Chet earlier, I said in 2009, after the Philadelphia World Series, after winning in 2008, everything just opened up. Now in 2000. 19 after winning the 2018 Super Bowl. It's okay, boys. We won last year. Everybody's happy. Everybody's good. We love y'all. What do you think? Catch ball. That's gonna that's gonna extend more. A lot of people are like that. I think I, I think I'm less mad myself as well. You know, I'm more like more um, tolerant, I guess, of of the. They should have won that game though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me shake my head, Fred, because just like the Phillies fans, two or three years from now, if the team's not very good, then all of a sudden we're going to be, oh, this team stinks. They're going to forget all about the Super Bowl. That's how it's going to work. You're right, because that's what they did with the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what they did. And that's why this little love fest is, is, is making me a little bit a little bit angry. But what can I tell you? All right, hey, let's uh, – Jet's already going to try to show off that he, you know, new season, new beginning. And uh, I think overall he did pretty good with uh, his picks this week. So where do we stand, Jet, after round two of the playoffs? Only three games left now, boys. Yeah, and I did pick the Saints, as we discussed. I picked the Saints to beat the Eagles. Picked them by seven. They won by six. Sorry, guys. And as a result, I was 3-1 and one in the divisional games while Fred was 2-2 two and two for the second straight week. And, Bill, sorry to say you were 1-3. and three. Yes, you actually picked the Colts to knock off Andy Reid's Chiefs, my friend. So, through two weeks of the postseason, just like in the regular season, 
I'm in first place. I'm five and three now. You guys are both four and four, and we are on to the conference championships. Hmm. Five and three, four, 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 four. We got a chance, Fred. Yeah. We hey, we're it. right there. We're right there. All right. So here we are. Just two games this weekend, as we know. Winners going to the Super Bowl. We have the Rams at the Saints. Saints minus three and a half. Patriots visit the Chiefs at Arrowhead. The Chiefs minus three. So here we go. Fred, Rams at the Saints. Saints minus three and a half. Who you like? I agree with what Mike said. I liked how physical the Rams were with Dallas. Um, they ran a lot of C.J. Anderson and Gurley, which which was which was good to see mixing it up. And uh, I don't think Dallas was really ready for it. I don't. I, the Eagles should have beat the Saints, no question. And um, I don't think I, 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 they got the home field, but I, I don't think they're as good as they look. They have not looked good for a couple weeks now, even against the Eagles. I mean, they only had 20 points, and we were pretty banged up. And it took them, took them long drives to get those points. I like the Rams here. I think the Rams are going to go in there and, and win it. And um, I, I, it's going to be close, so I'd, I'd say it's a three-point game. So I'm going Rams. All right, these teams played in week nine. Saints won at 45-35. But down the stretch, yeah, the Saints did not play as well as the Rams You know, over the last few weeks of the regular season. I was going to go with the home team, but – I agree with what Mike and now Fred has said, that the Rams have just been playing better of late. Although I was a little concerned, or not concerned, angry about the fact that I discovered Sean McVay has a beautiful girlfriend. And I was going to root against him just for that. What? <laughs> Did you see her? What? Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he's going to win the game now, too. He's got a beautiful girlfriend, and the Rams are going to beat the Saints. I don't know what the score is going to be. It's going to be high score. It's going to be close. Rams win in New Orleans. <laughs> you know, that was awesome. You know, go Bill. I'm Saints at home. There you go. The Rams were Dallas because Dallas stinks. Okay, Patriots Chiefs at Arrowhead. Chiefs minus three. Interesting game to me. We got a blizzard coming in. The high is supposed to be 11 degrees. That doesn't really affect the Patriots. Though. They're used to playing in the cold. You don't go against Brady as we saw last week. I'm going with Andy. I'm rooting for Andy. We got one first, and now I can root for him. I, I think uh, this is his time. Mahomes, he looks great. That offense is good. I, I like the Chiefs. Chiefs win. Yeah. Um, I, You know, my gut is telling me New England, but I just don't want to pick them, and I'm not going to. It is Andy's time to win another conference championship game finally and get back to the Super Bowl and – I'm going to be rooting for him, too, if that does happen. And I am going to pick the Chiefs in another wild game, just like they had in week six when the Pats won 43-40. I am picking Kansas City here. I'm picking Kansas City, too, just because I can't pick the, the, the Patriots in this game, although I don't want to really pick against Brady. But I'm going with Andy, and uh, I'm hoping the Chiefs win this game as well. So there you, you better have hope, it. Better hope the Saints win, too, Billy. You're out of our little competition. Yeah, that's okay. They will. Don't worry about it. All right. Hey, uh, I want to hit you guys up real quick. We don't have a lot of time, but I want to find out what you're thinking this week about the Sixers. There's just there's just way too much noise going on with that team for me, and I'm not sure I'm seeing results that I want to see, although they had a couple nice wins this week. It's just there's just too, something, whether it's the, uh, the, the middle of the season doldrums of the National Basketball Association or what, but just – there's too much chatter and not enough results for me. What do you got? Go, Fred. Well, 
typically Brett Brown's teams don't don't start going until around now, and, and there's some moves that need to be made. But I, I personally, I like the chatter, and, and I'm seeing uh, changes from Brett Brown due to the chatter. Uh, we're going to find out these next, I think it's 10 or 12 games or so with, with these top teams they're playing. But I noticed that the, he switched the pairings to with Embiid um, and, and Butler, which, I mean, it's one game, 149 points. You can't really judge it off one. But that's a change that I noticed I've been waiting to see. And then also there's been a lot more pick and roll since, since Butler has been mouthing a little bit. So maybe Brown is actually – Listening to his players, taking a step back and 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 adjusting for the for the first time because I, I I think before he's been pretty stubborn in his ways. So the last few games I have seen adjustments. So I'm fairly optimistic on that. Yeah, I'm with you, Fred. He has made adjustments and I like it. And you know what? We've also seen Ben Simmons take a couple of outside shots, which is which is very encouraging, very refreshing to see. He's made a few too. Uh, and regarding the schedule you mentioned, yeah, the next 12 games are going to be really tough. They have a 12-game stretch over the next four weeks. The teams they're playing, 10 different teams, 12 games, are 269 and 169. That's a winning percentage of 614. All of them except Sacramento are current playoff teams, and Sacramento is just a half game out of the final playoff spot in the West. Um, this is going to be a real tough stretch over the next four weeks. There's a four-game West Coast trip in the middle of that. Um, boy, if they can go 7-5 and five here, I'd be really happy. So we're going to learn a lot about this team over the next four weeks. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna pick on you guys for just a minute. We're 45 games in right now as we sit four games out. Where are they going to finish, Jet? Uh, what are they, 29-16? and 16? Yep. Um, I'm still going to say they're going to get to at least 50 wins, which would be more than what we predicted at the beginning of the season. And I'm going to say they're only going to be the third or fourth seed. I haven't narrowed it down yet, but only the third or fourth seed. So they're going to have some work to do in the playoffs. Fred, they're going to make some moves here at the trade deadline. Corey Brewers, we'll see how that goes, but this isn't going to be the same team as it's currently constructed. I'm sticking to what I said in the beginning to um, three seed and then I believe I said 54 wins. So I, I think that's, you're going to see a different team after February 7th as well. So, I'm I'm sticking to that. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, Fred, hey, thanks again for joining us. We'll do it again next week, and uh, we'll be ready to about who's going to the Super Bowl. Hmm. Sounds good. Go Chiefs. Thanks, Fred. All right. Let's go. Hey, Chad, I wanted to ask you, uh, what's going on over there at this bank park, this this crystal ball? What, what do you got? What do you think is going to happen? They going to get anybody or what's happening? You know what? It depends who you listen to as far as what you want to believe. There was some talk yesterday that this could drag on into February, the whole Machado-Harper thing. I hope not. I heard Jason Stark on with Missinelli on 97.5 saying he feels the Phillies are still the most likely team to land Bryce Harper, something that USA Today's Bob Nightingale has said a couple of times over the past week. By the way, he also thinks the Phillies may be still trying to land both Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell, too. I don't know about that. I'd love to see that, though, because they definitely need another quality starter. Uh, getting back to Harper and Machado, I do get the sense that the Phillies are the favorites to land Bryce Harper, hoping that is the case. And, you know, we got a winter storm coming this weekend. It's called Winter Storm Harper. So I think there's something <laughs> there. All right. Well, I hope you're right. I, you know, every day you wake up thinking you're going to see something. It looked like some activity uh, last week in, in Vegas and looked like, the, you know, they might be ready to pull a trigger. And uh, here we are. Tonight, still nothing, and I know uh, 
Spring training's just around the corner. February 13th, pitchers and catchers. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to PCC One Raz Room. They post sports memorabilia on the page. You can take a chance to answering something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check mm-hmm. out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC18RASROOM. That's right. It's PPCC18RASROOM on Facebook. Mr. Chico, who's coming to Philly Fox Radio Roundtable? You, you've done really good tonight. <laughs> well, up until about three hours ago, our guest next week was TBD, to be determined. But we got a confirmation, like I said, about three hours ago. We will be joined by at least one guest. and It's a good one, one of our favorites from HockeyBuzz.com. We're going to talk a little Flyers hockey, believe it or not, during the All-Star break. So uh, Bill Meltzer will be joining us to talk Flyers hockey. We may have a second guest also. I uh, can't wait to see Bill and uh, or hear from Bill because, as we know, there's a lot of stuff going on with the Flyers, that, uh, and there's going to be a lot more probably by next Wednesday. They're, they're starting to make moves. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, boy, I don't know. They're probably not going to get any better the rest of the season with the moves they make, <laughs> but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, and, and you know, Carter Hart's the big story, and- Watch him the other night. They end up getting the win, four and seven goals. He was not sharp and gave up a few goals and uh, still got the win. Yes, they have. They need to leave him in there, let him learn, and uh, do all that, in my opinion. And uh, I'm looking forward to what Bill's got to say about Carter Hart and where he sees this team. Yeah, because uh, he's certainly got a lot of you know insight into that. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say. That's right. Well, hey, Chip, we want to let our new listeners and remind our loyal listeners to visit our Philly Press Box Radio website, phillypressboxradio.com. We cover all the big stories of the Philly sports teams. We also write a few articles ourselves, and you can listen to our last couple podcasts and our latest Vimeo as well. We we still have our sponsor banners going across the top. Click on the Irish Rovers page at bobsullivanslikeyourage.com and all state insurance banners to go directly to their website. Remember, it's phillypressboxradio.com. Yes, sir. Mr. Chesco, parting shot for you tonight. Well, we had a busy show, and uh, because of that, there was a bunch of stuff we didn't get to. And we'll start off with a sad note. We lost one of our Facebook friends last weekend, a St. Joe's basketball player from the late 70s, Six-four guard out of Roman Catholic who averaged 11.2 points during his four years with the Hawks. Zane Major, by all accounts, just a terrific guy. Rest in peace, Zane. You will be missed for sure. Other stuff we didn't get to. The 76ers will retire the number two jersey worn by the great Moses Malone on February 8th. Nice move. It's just a shame it's happening a few years after Moses left us. Speaking of the Sixers, they honored their play-by-play guy last night, that, of course, being Mark Zumoff, 25 years behind the mic. Mark is a great guy, so that was nice to see and hear. Wide receiver Jawan Johnson is leaving Penn State, bidding to play his final season of eligibility elsewhere. Penn State has now lost eight players this offseason, as five have declared for the NFL draft, and three have elected to transfer. Hmm. Rumored for months, it is now official. Maroon 5 will headline the Super Bowl halftime show 
I like Adam Levine, but got to be honest, I'm not overly excited about that news. Tim Tebow is engaged to a former Miss Universe. Way to go, T-squared. Tomorrow, Thursday, marks the 25th anniversary of a landmark event. It was January 17, 1994, that two former child stars squared off in the boxing ring, Danny Bonaducci and Donny Osmond. Bonaducci won by split decision. <laughs> and finally, as I mentioned on Facebook last week. I'm glad week, I missed that. Yeah, a major violation by Mr. Bill Furman. He has never seen a single episode of The Sopranos. Shame on you, Chief. I have never seen a minute, let alone a show. <laughs> That's hard to if believe. I, if I saw a show, I might have liked it. I've never seen one minute of it. The only thing I ever know about uh, The Sopranos is that Little Stevie's in it was in it. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's all I got. Yeah, so, you got it. All right. Well, hey, I just had a couple uh, things we missed, but you miss them because you got them. I wanted to also give a shout out to the uh, to the passing of Zane Major. Uh, got to know him on Facebook. Got to have some really good conversation with conversations with him, and uh, all of a sudden we wake up one morning and and Doctor Z had passed. Yeah. Uh, and also, I was going to mention the Moses Malone jersey retirement. I think that's pretty cool. In chat, we have about 30 seconds. I want to hit you with something that's not your, your topic, but I, I know you're aware of it. What do you think of this college football transfer portal they've set up? All these guys put their names in hats, and they're all going with their free agents. They're all going to different places. Hey, more power to them. What the heck? I mean, you know, if they're not going to pay these kids, at least let them transfer and be where they want to be, you know? It hurts the school they're leaving, of course, but – why not? Throw them below and let them transfer. I'm okay with it. Well, you know, Jalen Hurts left Alabama today and went to Oklahoma. I saw that. I did see that, yeah. And the Ohio State quarterback went to Miami. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. With that, we've reached the top of the hour. We'd like to thank our special guest tonight, Paul Palmer, Mike Barnes, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoie of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, January 23rd at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcasts on iTunes and TuneIn. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Close it. Oh,